I'm Laura Ellsworth welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Rick Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Jill Cruz, ready to answer our medical questions. Dr. Cruz's specialty is family medicine. She works with the Brookings Health System and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Cruz. Good morning. It's always good to be here. Yeah, thank you for being here this week. Uh, An interesting week in the Prairie Doc world as we discuss who's who in medicine. Yes, because there are so many people in the hospital coming in and out of your hospital room, I know that's a very common thing, especially if you're in a bigger hospital. There were like 20 people came in and out of my room, and I have no clue who any of them were. And since everyone in the hospital wears scrubs, was that the housekeeping? Was that the doctor? Was that the nurse? Was that the physical therapist? I don't know who I saw. So um, I think it's important to introduce all those people. So maybe it will be a little um, more clear. Yes, I do appreciate um, as I've visit people in the hospital the whiteboard that does list your people uh, your doctor's name your nurse's name and it switch it out because even as I go visit loved ones or whatever it's like well who is taking care of you and you can just take a quick reference check um to see that that that's one that's one helpful clue as a um lay person when you're visiting the hospital or visiting someone in the hospital definitely and that's become a much more common thing um as uh, the years have gone on to have those whiteboards and communication boards what day is it who's on your care team you know who are the specialists who's your nurse who's the um, you know patient care tech or aide that's helping the nurse so yeah all those people I know even at the hospital here in Brookings uh, we put up the picture of the hospitalist who's the doctor that you're going to be seeing because especially with with that picture yeah that's cool they have a picture Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. which is nice with especially with the masks right this is who's taking care of you oh yeah Um, because a lot of female physicians will get this where the patient will complain I never saw the doctor the entire week I was here and we're like what I saw you every single day Uh, so I mean especially with some of the older generation that aren't used to women being in medicine mm -hmm. that that honestly sadly is a thing that happens far too frequently people are like I never saw the doctor I'm like yeah you did sure I was there every day yeah I wrote a note I saw you um, but they just may not understand with all the people coming in, you know, and I'll get that all the time. They're on the phone. They're like, oh, I got to go. The nurse is here. I'm like, mm, not exactly. I'm, I'm your doctor. I'm your doctor. <laughs> so Yeah, and I feel like a lot of times we maybe are maybe more informal because we want to just be comfortable. So perhaps you just introduce yourself as Jill or... Uh, nope, nope. I will never do that. <laughs> nope. Okay. Nope. I, I will always say, hi, I'm Dr. Cruz. Gotcha. Yep. And so then you hopefully can... Mm-hmm. Give but I will have patients that call me Jill. Sure. And again, that's a, something that is specific to female physicians. I don't know a... I would say there is a minority of people that would ever call Dr. Holm Rick. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that in, in the clinic setting, you know, mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. if they're friends, sure. But, but in the clinic setting, you know, I even had that in the clinic where they would say, Jill, it's so nice to see you. I used to see Dr. Holm. Uh-huh. I'm like, what? We are both doctors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, it, it seems to be culturally and socially more acceptable to call female physicians by their first name mm-hmm. and call male doctors doctor 
last name. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure your husband isn't called Andrew too much in the clinic, but Dr. Ellsworth. Mm-hmm. So it, it is one of those things, and that can confuse people. Yep, yep. And, you know, they think they're not seeing a doctor. And then uh, a lot of the nurse practitioners and PAs will go by their first name, and they're traditionally more female. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that can also confuse things. Um, my husband's a nurse. And he gets called or confused as doctor a lot just because he's a male sure. walking in the room. Sure. So it, it really goes both ways. So when you're bending that traditional stereotype, uh, there can be confusion as to who's playing what role. Yeah, yeah. That is interesting. Um, and, you know, I feel like we've come so far. You know, when Andrew was in medical school, I, feel, I, think, I think his class was... 50 students and I think it was 26 female 24 male you know so Mm -hmm. and I think it's tipped further even since he's been there so you know there are many uh, probably a majority of women Mm -hmm. um, serving as physicians these days so yeah but we haven't quite got over all the stereotypes bias in stereotypes is Mm -hmm. still there everywhere yeah it's everywhere nationwide yeah well if our listeners have questions today about who some of those different roles are, what nurse practitioners do, PAs do, the different roles that you might come across in um, in the hospital or elsewhere, give us a call. Or if you have any other medical questions, you can give us a call about those as well. We'll be going to our first break shortly. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Tobacco can lead to tobacco, nicotine dependence, and serious health problems. Quitting smoking has immediate as well as long-term benefits for you and your loved ones. Make the decision to be smoke-free. Stopping smoking is associated with many health benefits. If you smoke, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. That's 784-8669. Or call the Avera Medical Group Brookings for help to quit smoking today. 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Dr. Cruz, tell us about the television program you're planning for tomorrow night. Yes, so we're talking about basically what is a hospitalist, and that's kind of a new um, role in the hospital and something that you know we've only had here in Brookings for the last starting now like five years Mm -hmm. Um, so a hospitalist I'm having Dr. McKay uh, one of the hospitalists down in Sioux Falls and then Dr. Owen Sloan who uh, does hospitalist work uh, kind of as a locums all over the country I mean she's been here in Brookings many times she's been in Pierre uh, she's in Montana she's in Alaska she's in Gillette Wyoming I mean so she's kind of going all over the the country uh, filling these roles. But uh, what a hospitalist is, is a physician who just sees patients in the hospital and and takes care of them in the hospital. We don't have a clinic practice. Um, Our role is to see the patients from the time they are admitted to the hospital to the time they are discharged. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's kind of a, a change that went as uh, hospitals got busier, um, 
clinics got busier, towns are busier and bigger, and it just got to be too much for the family doctor to, you know, go to the hospital, see their patients, go to clinic, you know, come back. You know, it used to be that one doctor did everything. You know, they saw you in the ER, they delivered your baby, they did house calls, they saw you in the clinic, they saw you in the hospital. And um, we just realized that that just didn't become sustainable to anyone's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can't do anything well because if you're in the clinic and something is happening to a patient in the hospital, you can't just drop everything and leave clinic and go attend to what happens in the hospital. So when you have a hospice, there is someone that is there immediately available to deal with any questions, any sudden changes in a patient's situation, and can honestly give better care because they're there and the nurses don't have to worry about, oh, I'm going to bother Dr. So-and-so at clinic and, you know, I'm going to have to wait till I get from the front desk to his nurse to him or her you know, sometimes that can, those steps can take time, and we don't have that time if there's an emergency or if their office is across town. I mean, like in Sioux Falls, you could be at Dolly Farms, you know, mm-hmm. way off on that east side of town, and then the hospitals are kind of in the center. I mean, that's a 15, 20-minute drive at best. So, you know, they can't just run over from clinic to admit a patient or take care of you if, if you're in the hospital. And this gives better continuity of care. So you've got, you know, again, same person working for a full week. I really get to know the patients. Of, I know what's going on rather than, you know, a different person on call trying to take over each day. So mm-hmm. uh, it was a way basically to give better care to patients where your attention isn't divided in multiple directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell us more about the scheduling, how you do a week at mm-hmm. a time. So there are 12-hour shifts, mm-hmm. and um, it kind of varies uh, place to place how okay. it goes. I know in Sioux Falls they've got, you know, in teams, because obviously one doctor could not uh, round on all of McKinnon. Right, <laughs> they, right. They have multiple teams, and one team is, like, doing the admissions, one team is doing the discharges, one team is, you know, rounding on the patients and helping coordinate with, you know, the specialists. So the hospitalist is kind of the the quarterback here that's kind of arranging this whole healthcare team and making sure that the discharge planners are set up if someone needs help with home health or if they need, you know, a walker or if they need like a life alert button or if they're going to need to be transferred to a nursing home. You know, they make sure that that team is set up and they make sure that all the therapists are ordered and they make sure that all the specialists have been consulted and kind of take all that information from all the specialists and kind of combine it into one unified treatment plan Mm -hmm. for the patient. So every physician in a hospital that has a hospitalist, every patient's going to have a hospitalist that's kind of running the show. And then they kind of see over all of the um, other people that are needing to help take care of this patient. Got it. And you mentioned um, locums. uh, Mm -hmm. For those of us not in the medical world, tell us more about what a locum is. Yep. So a locum is basically kind of like the idea of a substitute teacher. (laughs) So um, you know, Brookings Health System, we have two full-time hospitalists, uh, myself and Dr. Kathy Liederbrand. Um, obviously, this hospital has to be covered 24-7. We, two people can't do that. Mm-hmm. So the hospital brings in what are called locum tenums. Uh, it's a fancy Latin term for short-term assignment. Ah, okay, thank you. <laughs> so, because in medicine, we like to put it in Latin, so it's fancy. Uh, but basically, that's what it means. It's okay. a short-term assignment where you come in, you do a job, and then you leave. So mm-hmm. you're not 
um, there permanently. So sometimes this can turn into a permanent job where mm -hmm. people say, you know what, I really like this hospital. It's a way for them to try it out without fully committing. Mm -hmm. And some people, like Dr. Owen Sloan, just like to go to different areas in the country. So mm -hmm. she'll spend a week in Alaska, and then she spends a week in Wyoming, and then she spends a week in South Dakota, and then she goes home. Okay. And, you know, kind of round robins across the country to places in need. And that's a really good way to deal with some of these shortfalls when if someone is sick uh, for an extended period of time out on maternity leave or we're short-staffed and we need someone to fill in. So there are companies where that's their job is to find um, doctors who can fill in where needed. Mm -hmm. So just like you'd have a substitute teacher, we have locum tenums. Got it. Mm -hmm. uh, and how is that, like with COVID and everything going on, you know, I feel like there, we hear about all these shortages mm -hmm. going on. Um, how, how has that been affecting your work? And um, availability of staff and support. Definitely. I, I think everyone's been picking up more shifts mm -hmm. uh, with that. And then, yeah, you use these locum companies. And unfortunately, because of that flexibility and because they're not uh, full-term full-time staff and they're not getting benefits, their pay is generally a lot higher. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, when people were... New York City specifically was really short-staffed, and they were in the throes of height of COVID. A lot of locum nurses and doctors went out there and made a lot of money because sure. they paid a very high premium for, you know, short-term crisis, you know, they needed you. Mm -hmm. So that is also, that's the trade-off of you get paid more because you don't have job security of a job every single week. You have to keep, you know, mm -hmm. arranging. And these um, assignments, like I said, can vary in time from being, you know, a couple of days to being a couple of weeks to being, you know, a regular gig, you know, for this amount of time for several months. Mm -hmm. uh, but what you lose in security, you make up in pay. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. Look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Frostbite is a type of injury caused by freezing. It leads to a loss of feeling and color in the areas it affects, usually extremities, such as the nose, ears, cheeks, chin, fingers, and toes. Frostbite can permanently damage the body, and severe cases can lead to amputation. Frostbite should be checked by a health care provider. Call 697-9500 to see your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Prairie Doc topic this week is who's who in healthcare. And so Dr. Cruz has been explaining to us some of the different roles and um, and specifically what a hospitalist is and what that role um, provides for medical care for people um, in the hospital and working with the team. 
Uh, Dr. Cruz, could you explain to us the difference between MD and DO? Sure. So uh, this is one that's kind of near and dear to my heart since I am a DO. Yes. Uh, MD stands for medical doctor. DO stands for doctor of osteopathic medicine. So uh, osteo meaning bone, um, pathic meaning you know, study or pathology of. Um, this was started actually in the United States. So this is a... There are DOs in other, outside in the world, um, outside of the U.S. that function more like chiropractors, but DOs in the U.S. is uh, considered an equivalent degree to MD. Mm -hmm. So it was uh, started in the mid-1800s by a doctor, Andrew Taylor Still. He was actually an MD, went to medical school, um, graduated, got his MD, and then found special interest in... Um, structure and function found that you know if people had a broken bone it wasn't set right they had problems you know with their balance or you know low back pain or hip pain if things were out of alignment so um he was really interested in preventative medicine before there was such a thing and there really weren't specialties uh back in the 1800s you just kind of did every you went to medical school and you hung out your shingle and you you saw patients and you d did it all so he, um, back in the 1800s, you could start your own medical school. And he decided he wanted to kind of brand it differently and created the concept of DO um, and started that. And there was other um, naturopathy, osteopathy, um, mesmerism. So there was all these different schools of medicine. And really, MD and DO are the only ones that are still surviving today, although naturopathy is kind of having a comeback recently. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, according to the um, medical boards for the country, MD and DO are considered, like I said, equivalent degrees for physicians to practice medicine uh, with a license here. And um, that I always tell people I have the exact same training as a DO with an additional 500 hours in musculoskeletal training and uh, spinal and uh, uh, joint manipulation. Mm -hmm. So basically, I did the exact same classes um, in Michigan. The University of Michigan has an MD school and a DO school, and the students sit side by side. And the DOs have an extra lab and class on oh. osteopathic medicine. So, so you're all in the same classroom. Literally, they're in the same classroom, getting the exact same. Uh, interesting. Yep. I didn't know that. Okay. Yep. So, they're really um, there's only after medical school. There, everyone goes into the same residency programs. Mm -hmm. So we're all really trained the same. Yes. But DOs get additional training mm -hmm. in, in how to do manipulation. And uh, chiropractic kind of came out of osteopathic medicine. Um, the physician that started chiropractic medicine actually shadowed under Dr. Still mm. in um, when he was deciding to go to med school. Dr. Still said, hey, why don't you join my med school? And he's like, no, thanks. I'm going back to Iowa and starting my own school. Uh -huh. So uh, the, they kind of have similar, but they've you know, obviously over the last hundred years diverged um, mm -hmm. somewhat as well with their own areas of specialty and expertise. Uh, so I can do osteopathic manipulative treatment. Uh, so basically kind of helping with adjustment of the spine, um, you know, any, actually any joint in the body, the hips, the knees, ankles. Um, I do a lot of cranial stuff to help with headaches, um, you know, sinus congestion, that sort of thing. So it's an additional tool in my toolbox that I have that my MD counterparts 
don't. And DOs are really good at palpation and um, using a physical exam to find out what's going on. Um, One of our first labs in medical school to learn palpation is they got out the Des Moines Metro phone book, which was like three inches thick, and put dimes in it at different levels. And we had to feel the top of the phone book and tell us where, not only where the dimes were, but in what order they were from shallowest to deepest. Oh, wow. So that was all training our hands and our palpation senses. So when we feel a patient, can we feel what's wrong? Is mm-hmm. there something, is there a muscle knot here? Is there, um, you know, something that's out of alignment? So we're really taught to be a very hands-on you know, feel the patient, feel the back, feel the joints, tell me what's wrong by feeling and, mm-hmm. and seeing what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and also by listening to, uh, because one of the tenets of osteopathic medicine is that the body functions as a whole. And when we're talking body, we're talking mind, spirit, and physical. Mm-hmm. So uh, we talk about me- the osteopathic medicine being whole person medicine. So, you know, you're having headaches. Okay, well, what's going on? Is there something going on in the family? Are you having stress? Are you having, you know, don't just treat the disease, treat the person. Mm-hmm. It is really what the mantra of osteopathic medicine is. Mm-hmm. Um, now, is that unique and solely in osteopathic medicine? No, there are lots of wonderful MDs that do that same thing and look at the whole person and the whole social context. Um, but that that is something that is kind of drilled in from day one in your osteopathic training that this is a whole person problem. You know, are they having uh, frequent UTIs because they're out of work where they can't drink enough fluids or they're not having, you know, time to go to the bathroom or, you know, so we kind of start looking at what are the social determinants of their health Mm -hmm. as well as just that here, take this pill and this will get better. Um, We kind of start looking at what are the root causes rather than just trying to cover up the problem. Let's find out the root and fix that Mm -hmm. instead. So that's kind of the, the, um, the tenets of osteopathic medicine, like I said, the body functions as a whole. So something that's going wrong in one area can affect other areas of the body. The body has the inherent ability to heal itself. We just kind of have to help nudge it in the right direction. And that um, good practice and good medicine is taking all of this into account. So who is your patient? What's important to them? And, you know, really respecting that. Um, osteopathic medicine also has a long tradition of taking in uh, people that the MD community usually would shun. Mm. Um, the initial med school class in, you know, 18, I think it was 50 something, um, in Kirksville, Missouri, had women in it, which, you know, this is like unheard of in the 1800s to allow a woman into medical school. So DOs have been letting women in since the inception of DOs. We've been letting people of color in since the you know, inception of DOs. So pretty much, you know, if you're Jewish, if you're black, if you're a woman, if you were basically kicked out of any other MD school, mm-hmm. the DOs would consider taking you. 
It's yeah. so fun to learn the history yeah. about these things and how they come to be to today. And um, that's fascinating. And I, yeah, I can tell you're passionate about that and the and how it came to be. Yeah, that's great. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. You were mentioning how um, DOs, you know, often look at the whole person and mm-hmm. all of that. And it ties closely to the next question I was going to ask you about is um, seasonal affective disorder yes. and how that affects our physical health. Can you talk some more about seasonal affective disorder? Sure. So seasonal affective disorder, or SAD as the acronym is, which I think is totally appropriate, uh, is another kind of term for the, quote, winter blues. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is a depression that comes basically in these kind of northern climates where it gets dark. And we've got extended periods of darkness in the winter. So um, it's basically kind of an effect of lack of natural sunlight on us. So especially people in Alaska can get this pretty bad where you just end up depressed in the winter. And then in the summer when there's sunshine out and you're outside and the weather's beautiful, it it goes away. So, um, you know, it tends to really hit people in January, February, you know, December, the days are starting to get shorter, but we've got Christmas lights and we've got activities and, you know, you can kind of power through it. But, you know, January, you know, okay, you've got a little bit of excitement with New Year's, and then it kind of as January wears on and February wears on, and now the snow's all dirty yes. and everything's yucky brown. and it's brown <laughs> and it's cold and there's no end in sight. That can really kind of wear on your mental health, and that can just kind of continue on and make people feel sad and depressed. So, um, one of the treatments for that is what we call light therapy. So there is um, special lights called sad lights that basically mimic um, the early light in sunrise. And when we have people sit by those sad lights uh, for about a half hour to an hour in the morning, that helps kind of stimulate um, kind of those areas in the brain that are responsive to light Hmm. that can help with your endorphins and help your body feel better and help kind of combat that depression. So it's a great way of treating it without needing medications. Hmm. So you just sit with your lamp? Yep, sit with your lamp. Okay. Read a book, enjoy your coffee. Okay. And and sit with the lamp with the special, like I said, sad lights where they've got the special um, spectrum of the the lights. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Any other tools to help us uh, maybe through these months um, that you recommend? I would say activity. Definitely um, physical activity is a good thing. And getting outside, you Mm -hmm. know, even if you have to bundle up and just walk around the block. I mean, you know, five, ten minutes, just getting outside, physical activity, fresh air, all of that's really good for you. Because, yeah, we kind of spend the winter cooped up. You can kind of get cabin fever if you're Mm -hmm. in the same room for too long. It's really good to be out in nature. Um, They've done some studies to show that, you know, um, going out, you know, around trees or in the forest is helpful for your mental health. They call mm-hmm. it forest bathing. <laughs> Instead of sunbathing, forest, forest bathing. bathing. Okay. Yeah, which I thought was kind of an interesting name and, and concept. But yeah. it really is, um, you know, getting out among nature that's it's very grounding for people to help kind of reset your physical, mental, and emotional health. Yeah. For those of you um, listening near Brookings, I we recently discovered in the last few months the nature park has a new trail that's kind of a dirt trail that goes through the trees. And yeah, I feel so calm in there. It's quiet. It's mm-hmm. peaceful. It's fun to take the kids and just go explore, grab a walking stick and 
use it as a sword or whatever they do with their imaginations as they're walking through there. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't checked that out, uh, if you're in the area, or just go find somewhere to walk outside. Somewhere. There, there's lots of parks everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, at South Dakota, we've got lots of nature parks and state parks and, and areas where you can just get out and get away from technology, get away from the, you know, blue light, backlights in your, um, you know, tablets and phones because that can also affect you know your melatonin production at night and your ability to sleep and you know it can mess with the circadian rhythm just as much as the fact that it gets dark super early yes so you know getting out natural light fresh air activity all of those are good things for you physically mentally Excellent. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. We will return following this message from the Avera Medical Group. Influenza has made its appearance. If you have not received a flu shot, get one now. Symptoms of influenza are fever, fatigue, cough, runny nose, body aches, and decreased appetite. Generally, influenza makes you feel much worse than the common cold. If you have questions about influenza, call your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here answering our medical questions. Dr. Cruz, thank you for this great information you've been providing today, um, learning more about hospitalists and the different roles of the individuals caring for us and our loved ones at the hospital, and your great tips for seasonal affective disorder, getting out, getting outside, staying active. That's Those are good tips. Thank you. Yeah. Before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. Tomorrow, February 10th, Prairie Doc host Jill Cruz will be discussing who's who in healthcare, along with Dr. Jennifer McKay and Dr. Natalie Owen Sloan. So tune in this Thursday at 7 p.m. Central on South Dakota Public Broadcasting or on the Prairie Doc Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc Library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Jill Cruz for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people. <laughs>